we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering some ground across the northern part of the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. What are you doing? So can I can I just jump in before you start? And a lot of people were- <laughs> Apparently you are. <laughs> yeah, I am, getting on to me for the coffee thing. Oh. <laughs> well, not getting there's some that are like on board with me. Bruce from Hazelgreen said, uh, "I'm with you, Boomer. I'm 66 years old and never had a cup of coffee, and I still don't like the smell of it." What? What? <laughs> yeah, that is, Bruce. That is just Bruce. No, no, no. That's bad advice. <laughs> you got Joe from Owens Crossroads. He says, "Boomer needs to try having a cup of coffee outside by a campfire wrapped in a a, a wooby." That's that's exactly right. That's what I need. Some of the some of the best coffee in the world happens while you're sitting on a rock or a log or a stool next to a campfire with your whoopee blanket over your shoulders, and it's just and you're just you're just steaming that cup of coffee. It's warming your hands up. Mm-hmm. It's making your day better. The smell of it just makes you feel like everything's all right. Well, that's good. Well, then and then John from Huntsville on a totally different level. Well, what he says you need to try some of that uh, coffee made from. <laughs> from monkey poop coffee beans monkey poop coffee beans (laughs) he was telling me about it the other day and he said i'm sure it smells great and it costs only 150 a bag 150 a bag (laughs) that better be some monkey poop i mean that's like that's that's awful oh uh that's john paul from huntsville did that was that john yeah okay yep sure enough um and I, i gotta i gotta i gotta just ask the question then all right audience you right side ruffians out there everybody knows Coffee is the elixir of life, the nectar of the gods, the fuel for the future. It's the wake-up song to your, your, your taste buds. Should Boomer start drinking coffee? Oh. That's, I just, I'm throwing it out there. Y'all are welcome to text in 833-687-4448. Should what, Boomer I mean, is it straight black coffee? coffee? Is that what I need to start drinking? Well, if you got to go ahead and girl it up a little bit, you can <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what kind, guys. I mean, I I, I will try again. I, I am personally a black coffee drinker. Okay, that's that's me. I I don't fret over somebody decorating their coffee a little bit. Um, and and I've been known once in a while to put some flavored creamer in there, like like over Christmas, something like that, just from special. But for the most part, mine's just usually a, a cup of black coffee. But I do like uh, like different blends, like a like a French roast. Okay. Or um, like a there's there's one called the uh, African Sumatra blend that I like. I mean, I sound like a total coffee snob right now. <laughs> I've gotten to where I will grind the beans sometimes fresh on a Saturday morning. Usually it's like usually it's like one of those coffee pods. Get up at four thirty in the morning. All I want is some coffee. Just make it happen. But on the weekend, I'll make the good coffee, okay. and then you know grind the beans fresh. And sometimes I'll do what's called pour over coffee. Reward yourself on the weekend. Reward myself. Yeah. Yes, I Got guess it. that could be true. All right. Well, John, I'm going to jump in. Are you feeling the pressure? I am feeling the pressure. We're gonna, I'm going to see what everybody says, though. Do we'll it. See. You'll be cool. Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. God. No, my bad. I, I went off total, total, total rabbit trail. You just totally ransacked that entire segment. <laughs> Time for a break. Wow. All right. Hey, listen, uh, DEI bias. That's the first part of the Triple Dipper. DEI bias. Diversity, equity, inclusion bias. Now, allegedly, diversity, equity, and inclusion is supposed to relieve us of the biases of a systemically biased culture. You know, we're systemically racist. We're systemically homophobic. We're systemically whatever. No, we're not. But hey, um, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
phrases that have been around a little bit, phrases that got like just totally took over the entire lexicon of corporate America, academia, and all of it in the wake of the George Floyd uh, uh, killing and the riots that ensued thereafter, Black Lives Matter. Everybody was on their knees. Holy cow, we got to have more diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're sorry. We'll hire people. Well, here's a story for you. I pulled this one. It's out there on a variety of sources, one of which is 1819 News. I saw 1819's version of the story after I had uh, uh, already resourced the show for the day. But the other one I've got here is from AL.com. University of Alabama professor. By the way, he made national news. He was also on Fox. Professor says he's quitting the University of Alabama amid the rise of illiberalism and DEI pushes on campuses. So, yeah, right here in our own state, we're not talking about something happening in San Francisco. This is not a thing going on in Chicago or New York City or Minneapolis. A University of Alabama earth sciences professor said he is quitting over what he called the rise of illiberalism and a push for diversity, equity, and inclusion that he said ultimately harms students in a tweet storm that went viral. He says, while Matthew Wilicki, that's his name, professor, said his main reason for leaving Tuscaloosa was to be closer to family in Colorado, the rise of illiberalism also made his decision much easier. In his words, he says, quote, the rise of illiberalism in the name of DEI is the antithesis of the principles that universities were founded on. There are no longer places that embrace, these are no longer places that embrace the freedoms of exchanging ideas, and they will punish those that go against the narrative. And he went on to talk about right there at the University of Alabama. And the University of Alabama, of course, responded with the biggest gobbledygook I've ever seen. I mean, look, y'all, let me just go ahead and suggest that if you're going to respond to something, just respond to it. Don't send out an overworded, robust paragraph full of Scrabble words that don't impact the answer, all right? But the University of Alabama sent out a statement, and they basically denied it. They, they didn't deny it. They just said, we are committed to academic freedom, free speech, and open scientific inquiry. And the university encourages civil discourse and exchanges of numerous and varying perspectives. We offer white, blah, 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 blah. In other words, they didn't say we don't incorporate DEI because they do. They have staff whose titles are things like provost of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You got the soundtrack, Boomer, on this guy's, uh, this guy's interview on, uh, on Fox? Yeah, get that ready. I think I'm going to use that here in a second. So Professor Wellicki told Fox News in a recent interview after his tweets went viral that every decision in academia is now framed in this lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion, everything from students to the funding of grants. He says that's not what we're doing in academia anymore. We're discouraging people. He said, I think DEI is increasing minorities, but I think the income outcomes we see are not having any positive effect. I tell you what, Boom, you got it? Let's go ahead and, and uh, let's start playing it. I will talk through it for a minute. I may have to stop you as we go along. Go ahead. The love tide is rolling at the University of Alabama, and now one professor is quitting his job at the school. He says woke priorities have taken over, writing in a Twitter thread, quote, the rise of illiberalism in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion is the antithesis of the principles that universities were founded on. Dr. Matthew Wyleke wrote that. He's an earth sciences professor at the University of Alabama, at least for a short time more. He joins us now. Uh, doctor, what was the final straw for you? Um, you know, as I posted in that thread, I, I just want to be clear that the, the, the driving, uh, the real driver for us to leave uh, Alabama and move to Colorado is really being closer to family. But what made it easier is this rise of a liberalism. And I don't think it's one 
thing that broke the camel's back. It's this, it's every decision in academia is framed in this lens of diversity, equity, inclusion, whether it's acceptance of students to funding of grants. And it's the exact opposite of what I think Dr. Martin Luther King, who we celebrated last week, was talking about when he talked about judging people by the content of their character. And that's not what we're doing in academia anymore. Stop. So what is stop that? Right there. Stop, stop, stop. All right. I hope you heard that. You got the professor who admittedly now is, is, is leaving his job. He's moving to Colorado. He said they are getting closer to family. That was one of the driving forces, but it was made a whole lot easier by the fact that he's just sick and tired of dealing with DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which he said is exactly the opposite of what he believes that Dr. Martin Luther King stood for. When you hear that, what does that mean? Well, what is Dr. King was there to tear down barriers that were enacted because of race and bias. And, and, and here you got a guy who's saying, well, DEI, which supposedly is helping to break down those barriers, in his words, having worked on the inside, is literally creating those. It's the antithesis of what Dr. King stood for. Keep playing. EI push doing to our universities? Well, I think that it's discouraging a lot of people. I think that it is increasing the number of minorities we have in the universities, but I think in the outcomes that we see, it's not having a positive effect. In fact, we look at the numbers, NSF provides us the numbers with the number of minorities that are within certain STEM fields. And what we find is that although those numbers have increased slightly, we don't see that they're being hired into the industry and into the fields coming out of the universities. The outcomes of these students are not getting better. You know, this has become some way of universities trying to build up their virtue signaling by the number of minority students without really concern of whether those students are being successful once they leave those universities. Okay, and stop. I think that's exactly stop. the opposite of what we should be thinking about. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Okay, here's the deal. What he just said is key. The virtue signaling in academia is literally designed to make the academic environment look good. They don't care what happens when they leave. So if they have to lower the standards to boost the racial dis d d demographics of their school or to, do, to make sure they have more LGBTQ uh, ceiling, glass ceiling breakers or whatever, if they, if, they can, if they can change their demographics, it virtue signals to the world that DEI is helpful. Look, we have more people of this ethnic persuasion or of this you know, minority group or of this you know, sexual persuasion or gender identity. Okay, great. Just because you took them in and avoided taking someone on merit, did that then equip them to be a better person in that field in the world? And he's saying, the studies say, no. Um, what an interesting perspective. So what you're telling me is affirmative action doesn't work? That's what he's telling me. So DEI is supposed to reduce bias. DEI, in his opinion, is just increasing bias. And oh, by the way, is having no positive effect. I think there's a little bit more, Boomer. Go ahead and play it. 
Our goal is to provide them a foundation to have a successful career in the future, and those outcomes are not, are not occurring. Those are some fascinating stats that you just gave to us. Really, really interesting evidence that I was unaware of. Uh, meantime, in your field, earth sciences, you talk of the false climate emergency, your words. You're saying it has serious health consequences, particularly in the mental health space. Why do you say that? So I see this directly for my students. I, I talk to them, I ask them, I, I, I really probe them about how they feel about climate, what their future ambitions are. And I see that this constant catastrophism is robbing their ambitions. They, they don't see their future as bright and, and fruitful. They, I, I've had multiple students come to me and tell me they no longer plan on having a All family. Right, stop right there, they, stop right there. And that's the other piece. He also said that the woke policies, and he's a University of Alabama professor, the woke policies on climate change are so overwhelming, he called it catastrophism. The constant telling to the younger generation that nothing good is happening and no good can come from what you do, so why should you try, has got him having students tell him they don't know if they want to have a family because they're concerned about the nature of the world because of catastrophism, which is another version of just bending the facts in order to support the, 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 you know, the liberal agenda. All right, Boomer, let's take a break right now. We'll come right back and keep this DEI bias push going. By the way, Boomer, Charlene just texted in told me to leave you alone about coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Charlene. Oh, wow. Oh, I can't. I can't. I, I'm a grown man. I can say what I want to say. <laughs> Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. We're back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Uh, Boomer, you're getting some love over here on the text line. Uh, Rita from Scottsboro says, no, Boomer, don't do it. Hot tea's the way to go, which you've already answered, by the way. And she says, yes, tell Phil hot chocolate is good, too. Smells <laughs> good and tastes good. Thank you, Rita. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Mike from, uh, does that say Coxie, Alabama? Says, yes, drink it. If you need to add some salve to your coffee, go for it. But eventually, after you get used to it, black coffee is best. So there you mm. go. Jeremy from Huntsville points out black coffee is used to wash down a bite of warm glazed donut. That's, see, uh, that's like the perfect combination. That that does sound good. A cup of. I, I did respond to that, and I said, the donut from where? <laughs> that, that's the that's thing. And he responded back. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. He oh, said, I haven't got he, that far. He says Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Hot lights on at Krispy Kreme is like Hot a whole light. new day, man. <laughs> I've been known to do a U-turn. I've been known to be driving down the road, go highlight. Do they just like, keep squirrel. that light on now, just to make you pull in? That's the that's that's the question. Well, that would be wrong. I know. I mean, I like know. society is one <laughs> giant batch of Pavlov's dogs. It's like that's the bell, and we we respond to it. But then again, a maple bacon donut. Um, uh, Tony from Piedmont thinks you must not have had too many you know up and conscious days, twenty four hours long. And I said, no, no. Boomer's been raising two kids, worked on multiple country music tours, and ran several businesses. Pretty sure he's had some sleepless nights, and he says, Roger that. <laughs> uh, lots, of, lots of sleepless nights. Just uh, my, my drink of choice was sweet tea to keep so, me through. And, and uh, Susan from Elkmont, thank you for your service, Susan, says, no, Boomer, I'm 65 and retired Army. I never drank coffee. <laughs> I do not understand that. 
I thought it was a requirement. I thought one of the <laughs> things that happened in basic training was you were taught to drink coffee. Um, anyway, all right. Send, send more love. Oh, Raven love from it. Russell just texted in and says, if you can't see the bottom of the cup, it ain't coffee. <laughs> or if you can see the bottom of the cup, I'm sorry. If you can see the bottom of the cup, it ain't coffee. I agree. It's just love coffee. Just Love Coffee Cafe. That's like perfect time for an ad. But anyway, all right, DEI. In a few minutes we got left here. We'll lap over to the next uh, side of the hour. But um, listen, I just did that on academia. And it's more than academia, by the way. But how about this? DEI, Fox News has an article dated December 23rd, just a few weeks ago. It says a new study claims that language relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion in scientific publications has increased by 4,200% in the last 10 years. 4,200%. It's, it's, now, part of it is because it's buzz language. You know, I mean, I, 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 if you've ever been in the military environment, the next new acronym becomes a new buzz. you got to say the thing. you got to say the right word. you got to say the right acronym. So part of it's that. But it also clearly indicates it's infiltrated, all right? It's embedded itself in the lexicon. Says the National Association of Scholars released a report in late November outlining the steep increase of DEI-related language being used on university websites, social media accounts, academic associations, scientific publications, and grants. For example, it says the study analyzed and found that reports about anti-racist and DEI-related topics have grown between 3 and 42 times faster, depending upon which ones you're looking at, which type of reports. It also says 100 universities were examined. Their Twitter accounts were found to have grown exponentially in the use of DEI. Well, here's one example for you. Let this sink in. Yahoo.com. University of Michigan. You ready for this? The University of Michigan. Where's Wolverine Dan? We need to hear from him. University of Michigan spends more than $18 million on DEI staff and salaries and benefits. Eighteen million dollars a year says the university of michigan will spend more than 18 million dollars this academic year on salary and benefits for its diversity equity and inclusion staff according to analysis by economics professor emeritus mark perry that figure amounts to the cost of in-state tuition for like a thousand seventy-five students you can have a thousand students go to school on what they're spending just on 142 staff members whose mission in life is diversity equity and inclusion one of those uh, is the Vice Provost for Equity and Inclusion, Ms. Tabby Chavis Sellers. She makes $380,000 a year. And, and, and so I'm just, I'm just telling you, folks, this is, this is so out of control. And that's, there's 17 other DEI staffers at the University of Michigan that make over $200,000 a year. There's 95 staffers that make more than 100000 in total compensation just for DEI work. And... You know, this, this guy who did the study said those misguided and expensive DEI resources could be better spent by just reducing tuition instead of feeding new layers of costly administrative bloat. And that's, that's true. That's a clear indication that academia, especially the University of Michigan for the love, and then I gave you the quotes from the University of Alabama professor who's leaving. This is, this is happening. It's all over academia. When we get back, though, we'll finish this topic up. I'll, I'll tell you, I've got a article here about DEI in the military. I've got an article here about DEI in med schools. I've got an article here about DEI in the corporate world. And then, unfortunately, I've got an article that talks about the fact that DEI is even being used in the Republican majority's new committees in D.C. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, hey, we're back. It's second hour. Boomer, it's second hour. How did this second happen? Second hour. That went by fast. Really fast. Um, I got a caller that held on. Is that Lee from Huntsville? Ah, I love Lee from Huntsville. What you got, Lee? How you doing? Yeah. I am doing well. Hope you're well. I am well. Yes, ma'am. What's on your mind? Well, okay. First of all, I want to make sure that you highlight the difference. People think of diversity and uh, inclusion as including the word equality, but it's equity. Yep. And I want people to understand the difference between equality and equity. So if if 10 people are taking a college course, equality is everybody arrives that same day, get a book, has the same teacher, spends the time in the classroom. Equity means everyone gets the same grade. Uh, Now, equity doesn't take into consideration natural talents, drive, dedication, um, you know, any of this. Yeah, just natural smarts, anything. It doesn't take into consideration any of that effort. So it doesn't, it it ignores the kid who spends every hour studying and the five kids who go out and party every night. Should they all get the same grade? No, because they all didn't put forth the same effort. So, but equity means you finish in the same place, and yeah. and no society should ever aim for equity in any way, shape, or form. It's devious. No, it's because a great it says point. everybody's gonna end up in the same place no matter what you do. Now, the only thing I want to say about med school is there are major med schools all over the United States that are holding up to half their class for diversity in rural students, and they are allowing them in with 15 points lower, 10 points lower on the MCAT than. Um, than at your average student that gets into med school. And they're letting them in with a 3.3, 3.4, which is unheard of for getting into med school. Anything under 3.5 before would be not even considered. But really, you need to be 37, 38, 39, 4.0. Because, you know, doctors are the level of intelligence don't come along very often, you know? No, and they, and they and, should, um, it should be the, it should be the person who has earned should. the right to be there. You're, you're exactly right. And by the way, I, I heard that there is even a push right now to do away with the MCAT altogether because it's somehow well, biased. That's I'm sorry, that's insanity. You have to be able to pass that. You have to be able to, to do high level science and you have to be able to do multiple high level science classes together. If you don't, you will fail. But here's the thing. So many of these, these uh, med schools are pass fail. You don't even have, you, they can pass with a 70. You don't know what they got. And the thing is, you um, when they try to do this social engineering, and they will even tell you in med school that they are attempting to social engineer the society so that we can have doctors that look more like a reflection of the United States. Well, then you get the doctor you get. And, and that may not be a good thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 listen, I don't want the doctor who got there because of affirmative action. I got the one who's best qualified to take care of my medical needs, period. I want the one who's going to you oh, know, have the, the most way, skill in the OR, period. Yeah, and more than half of all med students are female, so they can't level the uh, gender um, button anymore. They can't you know, blow that up because there's more, more female doctors now than males so, uh, in med school. So it's now they're trying to shape it in another direction. 
Uh, it's and I, and I, by the way, the American Medical Association, I believe, came out with something just in the last six or seven months that that that, that is pushing med schools to this very thing. I think I had that on the show several months ago. But yeah, great great points, yeah. Lee. You're in your back to your original point. It's not about equality; it's equity is what they're what they're pushing for. And equity does not mean the same thing as equality. It does not mean it at all. Um, and uh, good good no. point. Good good point. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate you. That's another great call from Lee. Um, yeah, I, I tell you, the, the, the reality is this. There is nothing good that is coming from the whole DEI thing, all right? Nothing. There is nothing good that is coming from the whole DEI push because it was based upon, upon, upon wrong premises. It was based upon the idea that if we just say, well, you know, it's not about how good you are or what your merit is or the strength of your character. It's really what we need is, is we need to look good. So we want you, you, and you because you make us look good. That's exactly the opposite of what should be happening. What we should be happening is we're going to look good because we got the best of you. But we, we got the very best. The cream of the crop wants to remember back in the day when the Ivy League education meant that the cream of the crop, if you had a Harvard degree, which is still a big deal, I get it. But if you had a Harvard degree, if you had a degree from Yale, if you had uh, a degree from, you know, uh, the MIT or, or one of the uh, military academies, you can imagine that that meant that you were the cream of the crop. Now you have to wonder, is that still the same? The degree still means something. I'm not saying it doesn't. But what I am saying, though, is that too often what happens, happens now is – the university, the corporation, the ranks of whatever group that has a DEI staffer is less concerned about who you are and the quality you bring to the table. They're more concerned about how you look. They're more concerned about whether they have met some virtue signaling, glass ceiling opportunity that makes them look good, not that helps you to be good. Story here on the Epoch Times, January 25th, that would be yesterday says the military's push for diversity harms the warfighting ability, defense analysts say. It's not just academia. It's everywhere. says the U.S. military's increased push for diversity and inclusion, as reflected in the far-reaching National Defense Authorization Act signed on December 23rd, aims to remake the military's culture and ethos along the same lines as left-wing policies that have been put to use at elite colleges and other areas of the private sphere. We've all heard about it. You know, accusations by... Secretary Austin and the Biden administration, that somehow the military is systemically biased. I, I got 30 years of uniformed service. I'm the third of four generations of Army officers. Never seen it. Were there things to overcome? Certainly. And, and by the way, my dad, who was a career officer, he used, to, he used to be very proud of the fact that the military was, in his words, the first true melting pot of our society. But he points out here that in the NDA is a requirement, this is one example, a requirement that ROTC in college, that ROTC programs have to collect and report data on racial and gender comp composition of those who complete the programs. Why? What's the point? Why would they do that? Is it just a gut check? Well, I just want to make sure. You know, hey, I just want to make sure. No, you want to make sure so you can do. That's what's happening here. It says... In the rest of the article, the push for diversity and the emphasis on race as one of the primary indices directly undermines a military culture where servicemen are supposed to think less, not more, about differentiating features. True, there's only one color, green. 
There's only one hairstyle. You know what I'm saying? There's only one food you eat in the mess hall. There's only, you know, you've got skills, apply them. We don't care what color you are when you got here. It's what color you are that you're here now. It's green, period. And yet now they're having to track racial and gender demographics to make sure that they've got, you know, the right mix within the military ranks to what end? And then are you going to go ahead and, like, recruit differently for different races? Are you going to provide bonuses if they come from a different ethnic minority? Are you going to tell white people they can't join because we got too many of you? Guess what? The Air Force already has some of that. Oh, we got too many white pilots. That's a thing that I had on the show here a few months ago. It's going to destroy our combat readiness by literally saying it's not about how qualified you are. It's not about what a warfighter you can be. It's not about your leadership capability. It's about whether you make us look good, which is what DEI is all about. Here's another one. You ready? Lee was talking about med schools a minute ago. Postmillennial has a story dated yesterday. Diversity in surgery internship program. What? The diversity in surgery internship program at Chicago Med School is under investigation after complaints of bias. Well, I can tell you right now, the, the name is biased. It says the Department of Education, and this is kind of interesting that the Department of Education is actually doing something. The Department of Education has launched an investigation into the Loyola University School of Medicine following complaints that the requirements for its Department of Surgery's diversity internship were discriminatory. You think? The program is only currently open to members of certain races, and applicants are required to even submit a photo of themselves. God almighty. It says, on January 19th, the DOA's Office for Civil Rights began an investigation. This looks to be a clear violation, it says, of Title VI. Applications are limited to those who identify. Okay, so, Boomer, you and I can go ahead and identify if we want to. <laughs> we're, you know, even though we're just cis white males. Boom, you want to apply for med school, you can go ahead and identify as something else if you want to. <laughs> Applications are limited to those who identify as African-American, Hispanic, Latinx, American Indian, Alaskan Native, Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander, notably absent, or Asians and white students. So basically they're saying, um, we're doing surgery internships as part of our med school process, and you're only eligible if you fit a certain demographic that make us look good. What you got? You're thinking, uh, I can tell. I say, yeah, you got something, I'm, man. What you got over there? I'm looking at this. Yes, I see that in med school. Of course. I mean, why aren't you, why are you doing this? You want the best of the best working on all your patients, not just this guy, you know? that. But, but that, you know, that kind of goes back to what that professor said earlier, the professor from Alabama. Mm -hmm. he, he said what they're doing at the academic level is not at all setting them up for success in the actual world. And so what we're looking at here is, yeah, they don't care whether you're a good surgeon when you leave. They care whether their demographic profiles look good while you were there. That, that's just insane. It actually is. It's insane. insane. I mean, is this this is happening in all these businesses, correct? Not just businesses, uh, academic worlds, okay. med schools. What if what if you looked at it in sports? Are you just going to get a guy that looks good and stands back oh. there and uh, can hold the ball but can't really throw it at all? You think he's going to be famous? You think he's going to help that guy, that team win? Well, I identify as fast. So I, can I, I run the ball? I identify as really – I can jump really high. <laughs> I identify with these cool shoes that I can jump high. I identify as tall. Can I be the point guard? I promise you I'm going to win lots of games and be really famous. Not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that why they're going after instead of doing it – for their teams, 
That's why they're going after all these uh, pride nights and things like that. You know, you're looking at it, oh, we're not going to do it for our team because we really want our team to win, but we're going to do pride nights so that everybody feels good. I guess. I don't know. I'm just thinking of all those other things. That's a great point. They got a virtue signal somehow, I guess. Diversity, (sighs) equity, and inclusion. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. All right. Now that we're both mad, go ahead and take us to a break. (laughs) All right, folks. We'll take it to the break. We'll come right back and wrap this sucker up, and then we're going to come right back after that. Bottom of the hour, Boomer and McQueen. You're going to want to stay tuned for that one. This is good stuff. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Wrapping up this topic on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, apparently it struck a nerve. Text lines have got stuff on it, and of course, we had Lee call in. Boomer got all fired up a moment ago. (laughs) And by the way, Boomer, you were talking about sports. You you make a great point. Uh, DEI is cool until they need to win. That's right. right. So, so DEI is like that thing. Okay, we got some DEI going on. We're uh, we're hiring this way. It's like, but if you were to look at a sports uh, a franchise and say, yeah, okay, we want to see DEI on on the field, that it it probably wouldn't go that way. Well. well, they make their money because they have fans in the stands. They're not the fans are not going to be in the stands to watch a little miss Mister. Uh, Pepe Le Pew throwing the football instead of Tom Brady, you know. Pepe Le Pew. I don't. That was, that was the first name that popped in my head. And, and, and when we have seen that kind of thing happen, it was like more like a, a, a demo kind of thing. Like they had that right. transgender hockey game. You and I were looking at it again a moment ago, where the the transgender dude, which was really a chick, and went up against the transgender dudette, which was really a guy. Right. And dudette crushed dude. <laughs> And so you don't see the transgender women that want to be men go into the male sports because they don't want to get not often. Yeah, they don't want to get hurt. Or yeah. when they see it like that happen, they're like, ah, no. yeah, that's not. We're not doing that again. I'm going to do that again. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, we're seeing, by the way, DEI is um, starting to be the first thing cut. That's interesting. So we've had a lot of layoffs in big tech. You know, the economy being what it is, the, the Biden economy that we're in, Biden inflation and all of it. Um, has created some, you know, difficulties in, and some of the bloated big tech industry is uh, is is shedding, you know, employees. Well, like at Twitter, it says the Twitter diversity equity. This is a story from Bloomberg, by the way. Phil, did you go to Bloomberg? I did. <laughs> at Twitter, it says the diversity, equity, and inclusion team is down to just two people from thirty. They had thirty employees at Twitter who simply had the job of ensuring diversity, equity, and and doing what? I mean, don't you want the best tech? So you go out and hire the best techies, all right? The best techies. And if they're all of one ethnic minority, do we care? I mean, if if you're literally discriminating, that's a different story. But if you're saying we hired the best, and they all happen to be of one ethnic persuasion or one, you know, demographic, then I got to ask, What's the company for? Well, I get it. Maybe they're just going to make sure that they've not discriminated. That's fine. Except 
what they're finding now is, yeah, we kind of had the bloated ranks of our workforce in the DEI department. It says layoffs sweeping the technology industry are gutting diversity and inclusion departments, threatening company pledges to boost their underrepresented groups and ranks and leadership. Listings for jobs in the DEI field were down 19% last year. They dropped 19%. Uh, however, interesting in the tech field, software engineering and data science jobs saw large declines at 24 and 27% respectively. So that's interesting to me that even in the tech world, they're hiring fewer techies, but there's still hiring less, but not as far less. What am I trying to say, Boomer? 19% DEI down 27% techies. Mm. Interesting. They're, they're still caught up in it is what I'm trying to say. Recent years, it says, have seen a diversity and inclusion hiring boom after Black Lives Matter protests in 2020. Organizations of all stripes made promises to boost their gender and racial diversity. And then it goes on to say they may not be keeping their promise. Well, DEI job postings in 2020 went up 123%. It was the field, man. You could get you a job. Hey, I'm here to make sure you're not biased. Come on in. Here's your six-figure job in a corner office. Um, but the unfortunate circumstance that we have, too, is it's not just on the liberal side. Um, Daily Signal has a piece dated two days, three days ago. Uh, diversity, equity, inclusion seems to have entered the bloodstream of U.S. politics and not just in one party. Republicans pledging to fight it are at times indistinguishable. What we're seeing right now is that Republicans are voting for things in bills that are DEI-related, and I saw an article that I don't have with me right now that I believe may have been from the Heritage Foundation. Uh, I have to go back and check and see. That literally said that each of the new committees now staffed by the majority Republicans in the House are still saying on their websites and all that DEI is one of their prime focuses. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be at all. It's virtue signaling. And it, it is, you know, Stop. All right, folks, that's enough of DEI. I've had it. Had it with the DEI. Doing nothing but trying to make people virtue signal in themselves into a favorable position. All right, we're going to come right back. It's time for Boomer McQueen. I can't wait. We'll be right back. <laughs> 